my goodness. Look who it is. Look who it is. What an exciting evening we have planned. This is a fun one. This is a fun so, one. This has got thrills and spills. Yes. And a special guest who will be. That bringing... is the thrilling, spilling part of it, really. Yes. We yeah. will be bringing a spilling guest on, spilling special guest on in a little Which while. Something we wanted to do more of. Uh, anyway, we started out early with a guest and uh, haven't had somebody on in a while, so it's it's exciting. Yes. And uh, before we get going, though, I want to remind everybody out there in YouTube land that this is live. You can ask if if you're watching it live, it's live. If you're watching it later, it's not. Uh, but yeah. it is live. You can ask questions of us. You can join in the chat with our guest. And please subscribe to this channel. You will get uh, updates about all of our upcoming live streams on this show and the other show, Tips and Techniques for Actors, Authors, and Storytellers. And we would love to hear from you, where you're from, where you're watching from, who you are. Uh, but, Tony, tonight's movie is... Tonight's movie uh, is 1994's The Paper starring uh another one that's starring who isn't it starring who is it, not starring in this movie starring in this film yeah um who's not is, starring in it and then the next level down who do we not know or haven't worked with right. at some point yeah. or bumped into on the subway it's a, it's a, it is a it is an odd one that way it's kind of like a yearbook movie it's yeah. like, crazy. hey how are you good yeah. to see you so this is the paper directed by Ron Howard, uh, 1994. The year of a lot of amazing movies as well. Uh, my research. Well, this is the same year of Pulp Fiction, uh, Natural Born Killers. So it's definitely a Tarantino year. Uh, the Professional, uh, Time Cop. Time Cop came out in 94. Who could uh, forget Time Cop except for those of us who have? Have. Um, the X-Files was just gaining steam right then. Um, Interview with a Vampire, Legends of the Fall, Shawshank Redemption, a lot of very big, big movies. Wow. Uh, the Crow. Um, and John Carpenter's arguably last great movie in the Mouth of Madness. Um, here comes the paper in the middle of all this. There's a very kind of... Uh, macho year with tarantino's movies you know yeah paper is this kind of throwback to howard it's really a love letter to howard hawks really i mean that's really what it is yeah and uh it's about a it's about a day in the life of a newspaper dealing with one big story and the crisis that that causes in the at the you know at the office and yep. all the lives of the reporters and the city itself in new york yeah um and, and uh, the city is really, really a character in this city, movie. The city is a true character in the movie. Um, it's amazing to see so much of the real city in a movie that at the time, I think everybody was shooting in Vancouver or in studios in LA, making stuff look like New York. And this was, this was, you know, I think we're going to, when we talk to our guests, we're going to find that this is even more of a New York movie than it looks like at first. Yeah but it's a real New York movie. And that's so cool about it. Um, it's also kind of um, a meta movie before there's a lot of meta stuff in this movie, even before meta was a thing. Right. 
because you've got, yeah. you've got this mix of New York actors, all New York actors, and then New York, real New York people. Sure. And then in the middle of this, I don't know if you if you caught this, they did this really funny thing, is that they cast Jill Hennessy as the assistant district attorney in the movie. Yeah. And Jill Hennessy at the time was was had just gained notoriety playing the assistant district attorney on Law and Order. Oh, crazy. She's okay. playing the same essentially the same role in this movie that she's just become famous for for playing on Law and Order. Wow. So there's all this bendy Right. And of course Jason Robards shows up as one of the heads of the media conglomerate that owns the newspaper. Right. And he'd played and Ben Franklin. Same kind of yeah. Exactly. That, right. yeah. And then Ralph Howard doing the 1010 wins announcement that bookends the entire movie. Ralph Howard, who was the voice of 1010 wins and anybody who lived through 9-11 in New York remembers him as the constant voice through this, this, this. And he had that, you know, you give us 22 minutes, we'll give you the world yeah. thing that starts the movie and ends yeah. it. And, and I, you just, if you're a New Yorker, this movie feels like a day in your life. It it really does. It feels very true to it. And while still being, um, uh, you know, true to this Howard Hawks thing, I mean, in a lot of ways, there's also all these nods to, you know, the front page and, and His Girl Friday, which are two much older movies from, from the 40s. Uh, right. Actually, the front page is 30s. And His Girl Friday is a 40s film with Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell, and they're they're in the newspaper business together, and it's very fast-talking. It's one of those early examples of incredibly fast dialogue and incredibly speedy uh, uh, scenes that go by incredibly quickly with actors just rapid-firing off amazing dialogue. And, you know, it's the thing, I got to hand it to Ron Howard, you know, it's really not easy to do that uh, and have it feel real. Sometimes people can do that kind of thing, and it feels like an imitation of Howard Hawks or the, that kind of 40s style. But he really managed to make it a complete homage to that and just as fast and clipped, but also updating it enough to feel like it was real for that yeah. audience, yeah. Um, which was a big magic trick, you know? I mean, he's... Uh, it's remarkable when you look at his career as a director, the the kinds of the, the variety of movies that he's taken on. And a lot of people call him like a journeyman director, uh, you know, somebody that that is about the nuts and bolts and the meat and potatoes of putting movies together. And that he doesn't really necessarily have um, a personality as a director. But I don't understand really that as a complaint, um, particularly when so many of my favorite directors from the old days in the studios were the same thing. Howard Hawks was the same way. He he would do any genre and ha helped to create all these different genres. And so Ron Howard's work here is really is really amazing. I, I'm really excited to find out more about some stuff I might not even know about how he made this movie because um, uh, there's a lot of really notable, notable things about it that uh, surprised me. Did you know, question, did you see it when it came out? I did see it when it came out. And... Um, and and loved it actually i knew a, i knew a little bit about it before it came out because when it was being shot i was bartending at a place called coastal on the upper west side 
and by happenstance, a, a woman who was a, a friend of mine from college was the unit publicist. Uh-huh. She came wandering into the bar uh, one afternoon looking for a place for Michael Keaton to do an interview with somebody. Uh, somebody was doing a profile on him while they were shooting the movie. And uh, she didn't know I was tending bar there. I don't think. Maybe she did. But she came into the bar and, and said, hey, can 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 I bring them in here like right around opening when it won't be crowded? And can you tuck them in a corner of the bar and make sure they're left alone that Michael Keaton is left? And I was, absolutely, you know, sure. Right. So I took care of them. And I, I'll, what I'll never forget is my my entire interaction with Michael Keaton was brought them their drinks. They had their drinks. I left them alone. They did their interview. And when it was over, you know, they looked at me and gave me that, you know, check sign with yeah. their hands or whatever. Yeah. And my friend, Julie Kundorf, who is the unit publicist, had said she was going to come back later and take care of the bill. So not to, you know, and I gave them the, you know, sort of universal bartender, get yeah. out, out of here. You know, the New York, yeah, get out, you know, get out of here. And, and Michael Keaton, <laughs> And for some reason, this has stayed with me as some like moment of pride for me in my life. Michael Keaton reaches forward onto the bar and he goes, thanks, barkeep. And, and I was like, hey, <laughs> he called me barkeep. I, I would take that. That would be a big day for me, too. That would oh, be it was awesome. I mean, and, and, you know, and, you know, we've met, you know, in in how many hundreds of huge stars or you know we came home and they were in our living room like playing flute with dad or something yeah. and a little moment like that with michael keaton can still be hey he called me barkeep this made my day well, that's partly because he called you barkeep and wasn't talking to dad which is yeah. what happened at the exactly. house. so you know and uh, barkeep too there was something about barkeep you know. He's a classy person. He has a, he's a really interesting guy. I, you know, for those who don't know, this was right in the middle of his just huge superstardom. Yeah, uh, you might not know it if you uh, if you're not old enough to remember, but he at, at that time, you know, he was he was kind of a, a rare superstar he was he was really exploding and partly was you know was batman he had already made the first batman movie the first one like this was the one that started the whole idea of kind of doing these big superhero movies at yeah. that level and Came, he was really really good in it well he's you know he's my favorite batman mine too that's, that's just you know that's just me uh, i'm an old guy now but oh, yeah. um he was great in that movie and and great in so many things i mean beetlejuice was a huge and just impacted me his performance in beetlejuice just blew my mind um but here he was like it was post batman i think he was trying to figure out how to make a case for what kind of an actor he could be because he was he actually i think almost was too good for the room most of the time i think he could do almost anything that he, he doesn't fit a category well no, you don't say, oh, Michael Keaton, he's no. he yeah. can do whatever you need that guy to do. But he's so magnetic and so fa just, just fascinating to watch on camera all the time and so funny. Uh, I, this was this was a, a great thing for me to revisit. Now, interestingly, I didn't see this in the theater. Um, this was 94. I was living in L.A. and writing and writing kind of 
horror movies and and in a, in a different mode. And so I was like, you know, I was thinking about movies like Pulp Fiction and the paper right. at the time was uh, was more of a date movie than I was kind of ever going to see in the theater. And which is all I ever want to go on. So. Uh, you, you love date movies and I, I, I like good ones, but I that's not the kind that I was drawn to and at that time. And so um, uh, when I met our guest, who was a close personal friend of mine, um, uh, one of the films... You guys know each other? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we've, we've had some interactions. Okay. And um, so then I had to see this film because this film was a, is a pretty important one to them. And so uh, I saw, I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it late. Well, I do have to say about, about that, um, and maybe after I say this, we should bring our guests on, that in the years, you know, obviously when I saw the movie, uh, I... I uh, had never met uh, our guest. Um, and uh, when I saw the movie and up until now, her scenes are the ones that I remember. Yeah, interesting. If somebody says, you know, tell me about that movie, those are the scenes. I mean, I remember sort of generally the whole film, but those scenes are the ones that I, that pop. And that I remember, there's Which is true for a lot of people. I, yeah. I, I think, yeah. Um, um, everybody I've spoken to since I told them we were lucky enough to land this person for the show. So should we bring them on? I I don't see why not. I think this is a perfect time to introduce our. Guest. All right, why don't you introduce our guest for us? Um, well, Pop her right in. Ready? Yes, I'm ready. Hi there. There she is. Who is this? Hi. Welcome to the show, the, Amelia Campbell. Oh, uh, I guess I, should I put my full name on there? Oh, yeah. we'll we'll give we'll we'll say Am Amelia here, Amelia Campbell. Well, you can type it in if you want. Yeah. yeah. Thank there you, Amelia Campbell. Thank you so much for joining us here. We're very, we, are, we are giddy with excitement to have you here. Um, I think it's very funny that my hair is very similar to my hair in the movie. So <laughs> <laughs> that is not something I could say about a movie that was made that long no. ago. If you no. look at movies that I'm in from that long ago, my hair is significantly different. Yeah, mine is a bit different as well. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You um, guys are you guys rock. This is a really fun show. Oh, oh well, thank you so much. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you might be in a similar boat as I am, and being like your your review of it being a little suspect, only in that you might be biased. I mean, I, I've been said that we're 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 friends, and and I think that's you know that might cause some confusion with the viewers. Right. Like, how truthful am I going to be? You mean if that we're friends? Well, yeah. I mean, we're talking about the movie, and and uh, you're talking about this show, and and I just, you know, I want to make sure yeah, we're being legit. I'm I, I'm keeping it legit. I don't care what kind of friends you are. I would talk smack about her if I didn't think her performance was stunning in this movie. Oh, so. No. <laughs> 
This is um, this is uh, 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 exciting to have you on the show, to say the least. Um, I met you not long after you made this movie because I looked at the timeline there, and uh, you this movie came out in '94, or did you shoot it in '94 and it, come, it came out that year? Do you remember? I I don't remember it being a long, you know, like sometimes it can take a few years. I don't remember it being that long, but you know, I hadn't made a lot of movies. So it, in, it, 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 it's sort of uh, relative, I think, but um, I, I would guess that it, it was either made in 93 and came out in 94. It was or... made in 93 because I was still bartending and I got married in the, in May of 93 and stopped bartending in um september of 93 so at, at that bar yeah that's when i stopped bartending so so my my barkeep moment had to have been in 93 i'm batman <laughs> now he's so my favorite batman too well we should we should probably you know give this away should we give this away now no no, no. Let, let, let's um let's uh let's talk about uh that you um you played in the film uh robin you played robin in batman <laughs> wow i you wanted to play robin in batman <laughs> you played robin in that's astounding I had but who did you who did you play in the paper? Batman. Um, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even see that part of the movie. I thought I saw the whole thing. Yeah. Um, Batman and the barkeep. You're the part the part of the movie that you're in is is it's really, really like the best part of the movie. I got I got it's a really wonderful movie. I love it. And I feel like your section stands out uh it's kind of like it's it's kind of like a short film its own little movie within the movie of the paper why don't you uh, tell us uh your part of the story um you and mean then my, we can show, yeah and then we can show a clip oh uh, you mean my part of the, in the film yeah uh yeah so i play a, a very well i was very young at the time um a photographer for this paper and um michael keaton's character decides um he, he finds out about the story and he wants to prove that these kids are innocent i don't remember if i'm right anyway um he asks me to try to get a picture of the two uh suspects even though he's strongly discouraged because I believe someone in the film refers to my character as green. Yeah. Well, he thinks you're going to fail. That's why he sends you. Cause he does not think you will succeed. See, I didn't even know that part. Yeah. He, he doesn't, want, he doesn't want to get that photograph. That changes everything. Yeah. Because if they get the photograph, they might be able to, run the story that he doesn't want run. I thought he does want the story run. 
he doesn't want it run unless they can prove that those kids are innocent. Oh, yes. Right. But but if you get the photograph, they'll be able to put that photograph on the on the front page with the headline gotcha. And so he's like, "Yeah, I'll send I'll send somebody down there. Uh why don't you go?" So he's he has set you up to fail. Wow, I didn't know. And, I'm so glad I didn't know that. Yeah, so you've been completely set up to fail, and you go down there and go through this horrible thing, which I want to ask questions about how that's filmed. Okay. You end up in the dark room, and should I show this clip? This sure, photo? yeah. So you come back from this horrible situation trying to get this photograph. You don't know whether or not you've gotten it, and this is what we see. Love it. I get goosebumps from Do you do you recall the audition for this uh, for this movie? Um, I do actually. It's strange because I I don't remember most of my auditions, but I really remember this one because I came off of a really awful subway experience, and I walked into the audition, and I just it was. I don't know. I didn't know that it was better to not act like you had an, a life. <laughs> and I just was kind of, oh, just this awful. And and the, the casting person, and I realize now I should have looked her up because she was so amazing. And I just saw her light, her eyes light up. And um, I just knew that I brought an, an energy in that, that hadn't been brought in. And I just felt like this shift happen. Um, and um, um, you're muted. I was giving. I didn't want any echo from you. You got. Oh. You got the feeling that um, leaving the room that you may have. You may have gotten this. It went that well. Uh, I'm sorry. Say that again. You leaving the room in the audition. You, oh. You, you felt that you may have gotten the part uh, that it yeah, I mean, but again, it's, it's one of those things that I, I was so, um, I, I had, I'd had so few opportunities to get a, a part of this size, um, that it was both one of those, this actually really could happen. And I can't believe it could actually happen. Cause it's like my dream, my right. dream coming true. I'm just looking here at the casting. It was by Janet Hershenson and Jane Jenkins. I don't know if they're. Oh, still. yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you remember the first day? You obviously remember what the first day was on the set. Were you shooting that day? Or did you meet people like the first day of shooting? Or did you have a reading and a read through of it? Or. I wasn't a part of a read through. I, I don't remember day to day. I remember being on the set, which was in an actual apartment 
a, um, an office complex down near uh, the, the South, South Street Seaport. Um, and I remember doing a lot of wandering around um, and a lot of people thinking that I was on the crew. And it may have been because they actually were kind enough to let me take the camera that I use in the film um, home for a few weeks to get familiar with it. Now, this is the scene that I want to ask you about. The scene where you're down there getting the photograph. Yeah. Because that scene is a madhouse of yeah. people, of extras, of action, of a lot of stuff that seems choreographed. I mean, doesn't look choreographed, but must have been choreographed so that people didn't get hurt. You falling <laughs> down, mm -hmm. a crowd stepping on and around and over you. I mean, it's just how long did that when that's when they're they're doing the perp walk of the two kids out of the prison and to to, to a bus out of the arraignment, yeah, the jail where the arraignments are, and then onto a bus that's going to take wow. them to Rangers. And you are sent there to try and get a photograph of them when it's been this high profile murder and every newspaper and camera crew from every news station in the world is there with their experienced reporters and crews. And here's this little intern desperate to keep her job. And it's a, that scene is a madhouse. How long yeah. did it take to shoot that scene? Uh, again, I don't remember time-wise. I remember, um, that it was a, a, a the cameraman was on a steady cam so he was running after me and uh -huh. there were times where he, they asked me to slow down because ron howard i think he wanted me to try as as much as i really could to get a picture and of uh -huh. course my height helped with that because i'm short um and then the the fall itself, I think we shot in several different stages. At one point, they actually had a soft, like, thing that looked like cement, but it was actually padded for me to fall onto. It's like a thick square of the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I honestly, there's, it's such a long time ago. It was, it, you know, I was... I was just pumped full of adrenaline and thrill to be there. And he just wanted me to be as completely immersed in the, in the character and in the world as I could be. So there's a lot I didn't really pay attention to. Well, you were paying attention to what you had to, you know, before we continue, I realized as a special guest, you really should get some kind of a treat for being here. You've done already so much for us. So we, I don't have a lot, but I thought maybe you'd like you'd like some chocolate or something like that as a as a special. Oh. Treat. So um, let me see if I can do anything about. Okay. That. I, there's there are cats attacking each other up on the bed too. I don't know. Um, um, I'd just like to. This is actually just from the <laughs> show. Hey, wait a second. To to Amelia, this is a a, a chocolate for thank you for being wait, here. Wait a second. How did how did this happen? Um, Brought me a chocolate. Thank you. We we I'd have done that right at the top of the show, but I I realized now was as good a time as any. But so thank you, thank you so much thank for being you. here. <laughs> hey, wait a second. That's magic. That is the magic of the, the how did world. You guys, how did you guys that do we that? Work in. Uh, I uh, 
I have friends. So how do you guys know each other? Funny you should ask that. Um, <laughs> Amelia and I met uh, uh, like a year after this movie came out. So you guys like hang out and stuff? We did after we got married. That's right. I was at your wedding. Yeah. God. Yes, you were. You after we I got get married, so wrapped up in doing the show sometimes that I can understand. I, after yeah. we got married, we started hanging out <laughs> like crazy. <laughs> we actually we 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 live together. Right? It's wow. how, yeah. yeah. So that's how you did that thing of him walking. I just walked over to her part of the apartment. I'm not usually allowed back there, but during a social <laughs> event, he lets me in there and I yeah, we have to have boundaries, especially mm -hmm. during these times. Crazy involves, talk. If it involves show business. <laughs> this is completely nuts. <laughs> you know, now that I know that you guys are married, I want to point something out. You were talking about what an incredible director Ron Howard is. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I noticed that's so brilliant about him, there's another director who's really whose work I think is really exceptional, uh, Adam Arkin. Um, and I noticed a similarity between Adam Arkin's work and Ron Howard's work is that Ron Howard cast his brother in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And Adam has cast yeah. us in things yeah. that he's directing, which yeah. is, again, a mark of, of brilliance. We, I, we, so in other words, we've both pulled a Clint. We've both, yes, we've pulled a Clint. We've Clinted. Yeah, you, you, Clint you, Howard. Uh, Adam directed me in something too. He's he, so he good. Did. Yeah, he did. What did he direct you in? Oh, uh, that's right, Louisiana, my Louisiana, my Louisiana Sky. Sky. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I actually had to turn down working with Sydney Lamet to uh, to work with Adam Arkin. How about well, that, Sydney? Uh, a hack from way back. <laughs> Speaking of great directors, decisions in this business for sure. What? You have to make some tough decisions. You do have to, yeah. for sure. Well, I, you know, I thought, you know, since we're talking about great directors, there also happens to be another great director uh, who is Anthony Arkin, who directed me in uh, his feature film, Sender. Which is coming uh, out soon. We hope so. We're trying to trying to sell a movie in, uh, in COVID times. So it's an interesting time for show business. But um, crazy, crazy. But yeah. Um, we we uh, we all haven't worked together yet in something that would be fun. That's true. We're we're starting something here, you guys. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. That's, that's right. You and I, I had a bid. You and I haven't acted together. Well, yeah, except in in Joan of Lorraine when you were when I was in brick in knee pants. Is that what they call it? <laughs> You were in britches. Knee pants. Knee pants. <laughs> I'd um, like to see knee pants. I want to. I want to show another clip from the movie. Um, a moment in the film that is one of my favorite moments in the movie because you know I moved out to LA uh, <laughs> ten years ago, and I missed New York terribly at first, and then started to feel like a lot of the New York that I miss doesn't exist anymore. And the New York that I miss is the New York in this movie. And, yeah. and well put. And the part of me that is still a New Yorker is 
is perfectly typified by this moment when Michael Keaton has been offered a job at a at at the fancy paper in town, the Sentinel, yeah. and he goes for an interview there and kind of kind of tanks the interview, but not completely. But while he's at the interview, he managed to manages to steal a piece of information off of the desk of the the head of the Sentinel who's offered him this job. The great Spalding Gray. Yeah, the Spalding Gray. And this is a conversation they have later on the phone when Spalding Gray confronts him on the phone for stealing this piece of information. And it sort of typifies how I feel in my soul about about New York City right here. I'll check on that for you, Paul. Give it up, Henry. Give it up. Our guy saw McDougal banging on doors all over the Justice Department. Now, I'm going to ask you one last time. Did you or did you not take the item? Well, Paul, you realized you were talking to a journalist. Dick who? I realize, you know, this doesn't exactly get us off on the right foot. The right foot? Are you out of your mind? Why, well, the office rescinded. Um, How stupid do you think we are? Uh, Paul, listen. To? When I put two and two together, three, three and a half? And hey, Paul, oh, look, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be reasonable wait, here. Could you just let me... Why don't you just uh, take my wallet as well, hey? Let me talk... Let me say something. Wait a... Well, I hope you're satisfied, asshole. You just blew your chance to cover the world. Really? Well, guess fucking what? I don't really fucking care. You want to know fucking why? Because I don't fucking live in the fucking world. I live in fucking New York City. So go... Fuck yourself! You handle that well. Thank you. <laughs> that, that is that to me is the essence of being a New Yorker. Yeah, that, it's, that it's, scene. That is, he is so. He's just so good in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. What a so great. Good. I mean, it, it must feel. I mean, I, I, I know you like his work and we were both fans of him and everything, but we, and to be in a movie where you have such a like key part of a film that he's in, that's one of these great films of his, and he's like going on to have this legacy. That's just like really cool. It's really cool. Like it's, it's not just you great in it. And it's a really nice, you know, uh, experience and everything for you to remember, but this thing is so also, so current today it's it's an amazing thing to see a movie that's still we're still talking about the same things that are you know the case in this film for instance is yeah. so we you know we were both we watched it together and we were both kind of like shocked because one of the things we didn't really remember was the nature of this case that they were all trying to talk about because it's yeah. not really pushed you know it's part of the film but they don't it's mostly at, with the journalists at the at the newspaper office and they're you know infighting and their stories and stuff but the the story that they're following um is really tragically so similar to stuff we're dealing with today so that was a real uh yeah. interesting thing about the movie and but just to be a part of something that has that's that's only going to get better with age i think you know this film I don't really even know how well it did when it came out. I assume it did pretty well. Um, 
But well, again, I, I don't know. <clears throat> that idea that you're talking about, the moral dilemma at the heart of the film is something that's being talked about now with what's going on in politics and that idea of that we're right today. What it, it doesn't matter if we're right tomorrow. Right, yeah. And uh, well, there's uh, there's that, that great, well, part of the, your whole world can change in 24 hours, but the, uh, we only have to be right for a day is in my, that's, that is, um, uh, uh, Glenn, not, I mean, um, Glenn, Close? Glenn Close's line when yeah, well. Glenn, Glenn Close, Glenn <laughs> Campbell and Glenn Close starring in Glenn Campbell, Glenn Close. Um, she says we only have to be right for a day. That's as good as alternative facts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And, and that, true. How, how that was a discussion that was being had in 94 as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. very little has changed. Um, what now? They. I'm just so curious because when we met, you had already made this movie, and I, I, I hadn't seen it yet. I saw it when we met, for for damn sure. And luckily, I loved it, and it was really, actually, genuinely a movie. I was like kind of amazed that I hadn't seen in the theater because it's so many things that I like in it. Um, but you talked about them giving you the camera. Uh. You said like three weeks before before you were shooting. Um, yeah, I had it for a few weeks because I wanted to get comfortable with really actually really taking pictures with it. Um, so I was uh, that was and I did. I actually took a lot and I took quite a few pictures I was really proud of, um, even though it wasn't uh, like it was all digital. <laughs> so it wasn't like I learned how. To... It, wasn't, it wasn't a third. I thought it was a 35 millimeter camera. It had well, to they, be. They didn't have digital. They didn't have digital. Oh, it was well, 35. It was a, not um, digital. Oh, geez. See, this is why. I, it was. <laughs> it it, it focused itself. Autofocus. Autofocus. Yes. <laughs> Autofocus. You really were the intern who doesn't know what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah. It's a miracle I got the picture. It's a miracle. <laughs> you took some good pictures, which we still have, that you yeah. were taking around the city when you were getting ready for this park. I got really into it. I actually I researched uh, Margaret Bork White. I found out about um, the whole art of, of not just taking pictures, but then actually the art of developing them and what how you can make a piece of art out of how you develop film, which I didn't know. So I, I, um, I always, always used to love doing research. So I, I took that part seriously and they were really gracious enough to let me take the camera for a while. Did you, did you ask them yourself for the camera or did they offer it or, or was that? No, I think I had my agent ask oh. for it. But it was probably your idea. I would imagine. It was definitely, it was my request. Oh, okay. I didn't, I, I didn't think they would say yes because you know, I could have lost it or broken it or, mm -hmm. You know, I was a young whippersnapper. And whippersnappers are always breaking things and losing things. Those <laughs> whippersnapping them. Had you um, now? It was one of the scenes that I I had. A, I wanted to pick which scene I picked to show for you. So I pick I picked the scene that made me fall in love with you even more than I would. I was already falling in love with you at the time. But the scene, the scene with you uh, at, the, at the in the dark room is a really amazing. It's an amazing piece of acting, I thought, uh, 
when I saw it, and I still think so. Um, because you're you go through so many different emotions completely by yourself in that in that space. It's so genuine the the desperation to absolute exaltation. It's incredible, like you know, change in 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 energy very quickly all by yourself. And I think that's just it's always been a really notable scene to me. Um, but you also got to work with um, with the man himself. With uh, you had a nice scene with. Um, Michael Keaton with Batman and uh, I call him that I like to call him Batman uh, <laughs> I had a scene with Batman I, uh, I, yeah you have memories of what it was like to shoot, work with him and, oh, and God, shoot that scene? yeah it was great I, I mean I was so nervous which you can tell but they used it very well I think um, it, yeah, it, the, it, the character is nervous yeah, for sure so, my God she's asked to you know get this really she knows how important it is yeah, yeah. um and uh i um well the whole plot hinges on you getting this photo i mean for a while everything about the movie hinges on whether you this completely naive journalist photojournalist is going to be able to get this really hard to get photograph yeah and, like the papers at stake like the whole state of the paper and everything it's yeah. um, he, well i thought he put me like he he but clearly matthews corrected me and that he didn't actually think i was gonna get the picture yes i understand but but <laughs> but but you don't think that no your, your character that. thinks that he's put his faith in you yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah. it's good that you didn't know yeah that. it's very good i didn't know that yeah um, I didn't know it either, if it's any consolation. I, I, <laughs> I just got excited that you were in a movie and I was like, oh, she's got to get this shot. It's important. So I didn't I didn't realize what was going on. But, it's also a phenomenal shot that, that you get. Yeah, it's true. Um, that's like a Pulitzer Prize winning photograph. I'll go one better and say that it's, it's phenomenal also because it's absolutely accurate. It's the shot she would have gotten from that angle on the ground. And usually... Yeah. Movies don't do that. Movies are usually sloppier than that. And they do an as if. And that was great. The details in this are just fantastic. The thing that really drove me out of my mind seeing it, I was so happy and excited, was the fact when I realized, because I had forgotten where you shot it. I knew you made the movie in New York. But I, I, I assumed that most of it was on a soundstage just because you assume that about big movies with this many stars in it and that much money that the easier control soundstage would save them money and they'd go for that. But there's one shot in the film. Uh, it's actually, I think it was the first time we go into Duvall's office and he's got a corner office and you see boats and stuff moving in the background and you're, you're like, Oh, they're actually, this is a real, this is actually a real place. Yeah, they shot the whole thing in a real place, and that that yeah. really that really did did so much. I think to give the uh, the cast a sense of of purpose. I would imagine that 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 realism must have really helped with the with the actors in that space, um, and that uh, that that kind of reality. You, I was just marveling at the details they were able to get. Um, and I bet those sparked ideas as they were shooting, um, but. Yeah, you, I'm sure. Remember, yeah. Do you remember walking into that building the first time and, and what it was like to see your area and, and the layout of everything? And Well, I, I, you know, 
again, I, I hadn't done that many movies. So for me, it wasn't like, I didn't really have anything to compare it to. Only the actors of three. Yes. Where they built a whole recreation of Grand Central Station. That was a big set. That was even Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, I, I came from theater and for me, it was like, this was the set and, but it felt like a newsroom. It yeah. felt chaotic and crazy and it was a mess and there were people everywhere and there was either the cast or crew or, I mean, it, it is kind of insane when you think of how clearly and specifically it was choreographed, just like the scene with me falling on the ground and getting the, yeah. the picture like it was this chaotic mess that worked and so, i don't know how they did that <laughs> even in like in terms of where whole like the green room and holding was and just the logistics of where people could be i would imagine got pretty complicated just because it was a real place so yeah i don't i don't remember holding or a green room um i may not have wanted to sit still i i mm. i just remember wandering around a lot right. um and and just i think i just had a lot of you know nervous restless energy so i don't actually remember parking anywhere like nowadays it's like where's my trailer or where's my the cubicle chair? or whatever yeah. Yeah, base camp <laughs> when you're in a set like that in a building base camp is usually outside somewhere yeah for the principal i think that they actually had if i'm remembering correctly they had a couple of floors i would um, bet so the yeah. set was one floor and then Just for timing because you were too high up to make it logistically feasible for outside camp to get up 40 yeah, stores. no, no, no. We were definitely, I remember costumes in the building. I remember looking in one of the, there was a big mirror. So I guess it was a lobby. Um, and then there was some construction too. So it may have been that some of the building was under construction right. for part of that. Was there, yeah. Were you in anything that was cut out of the movie? Not that I know of. Can't say that much now these days. <laughs> <laughs> But you but, don't remember shooting something that didn't end up that you that didn't end up in it. Everything you shot ended up in the movie. Yeah. Well, clearly the scene where she's in her Robin costume was cut out of the movie because we never yeah. even see that. Yeah. They decided that that people might not get that. There were a couple of um uh things on the chat. Did you see that, Matthew? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Love the film and that scene of Amelia getting the photo on her back and they suddenly find she didn't get the show. It's, it's amazing. It's an amazing piece of work. I mean, I it, it's a standout. Your character's the standout little short little film in the middle of this other crazy movie. Uh, yeah, and I it's just think it's, like a, it's a real gem. Um, you had already done um, a few things, though. You had already done Exorcist 3, which... I was fa always fascinated by because I'm a horror nut. Yes. And um, you had done, uh, oh wait, I'm looking for. Well, single white it? female. Single white female was before this, yeah. Was my first speaking role than si okay. single white female. Yeah. And then I don't remember if Simple Twist of Fate, I think Simple Twist of Fate was around the same time as the paper, but I'm not sure if which one i think twist of fate was after because i was blonde in that one 
Is that, is that how we have to track it? Yeah, I've never had to change a little bit. for something. So. Um, and a simple, simple twist of fate with with Steve Martin. Uh, was filmed with him. And then I was in a play of his, which is how we met. But that's a whole right. other conversation. Right. Um, so this was, was this was several projects before we met. This was you were you were, you had many things under the under in, under the belt. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of theater. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But this, I mean, this has always been one of those, you know, real gems uh, in my life. And seeing it was, I, I mean, I'm so happy that it stands up the way it does. It just oh, really, it so everybody well. is so good in it. Marissa Tomei is just so great in it. It's so crazy to think that she and I are so, so close in age because we play so different on camera well in that movie for sure i mean she you you definitely were playing up the age difference but i don't, I don't know i always knew you it's hard for me to know because i know you guys are the same age um i look uh, like such a baby to myself in this movie was there yeah was there anybody i mean i know you said you were you were, you were already a fan of michael keaton's when you made when you made this yeah. Oh, yeah. You were nervous shooting that scene with him. Was there anybody else that was like particularly shocking for you to meet, or did you actually? I mean, I'm sure you met everybody, but you didn't really no, work with any I of the No, I didn't really meet everybody else. Um, I mean, partly again because I was just in my own bubble of this play of this play that I was doing this this yeah. little, you know, and I was very focused and, um, you know. Sometimes I, I think I look back and I think I because I, I was so nervous that I probably wasn't paying as much attention as I could have to, you know, opportunities I may have had to meet other people. I remember them shooting a scene with Robert Duvall and thinking I could meet him, mm -hmm. but it wasn't quite yeah. the right timing, um, that kind of thing. And that kind um, of thing can be so awkward. Someone is talking about my Louisiana sky. Mm hmm. Kind of got it. Two, two weeks uh, because it wasn't an easy movie to watch in Canada, but was able to see it and loved it. Also loved performance in that. Oh, because we were able, we have to we had to delay this one week because I was sick last week. Oh, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, they got, yeah. they got okay, it wasn't easy to get catch that in Canada. I see. Yeah. Um. Oh, good. I'm glad you were able to to see it. I'm glad I was sick last week, Sandra. Thank goodness, man. Oh, you, should, you should get sick more often. It'd be really great for for people. I'm glad it wasn't. Uh, the COVID. The co wasn't the COVID. Oh, and this this gentleman popping in, Josh Gelman. Oh, Josh. Was the, you remember Josh? He was the editor of uh, Necessary Parties. I do. I do remember Josh. Great fellow. Good to see you here, Josh. Um, I wanted to ask you, Amelia. This is off the topic of your um, your performance, but it's about the movie and. Tony is of the male persuasion, and I am as well. Where are you uh, going with this? Well, <laughs> there's some stuff that came up for me watching the movie in terms of the feminist perspective um, that 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 I'd like. You know, I uh, I may not be the smartest person in the world about that stuff, but or the, the most feminine person in the world. The, no. The the argument, um, the big fight between um, Michael Keaton or the issue between Michael Keaton 
and Glenn Close that then comes to a head uh, in the big fight as they're trying to stop, as he's trying to get her to stop the presses. And it, it seemed to me that f if we go back to then, to 1994, that what they were doing with her character was, by the standards of the time, feminist and looking at it now har horrible in a way because what she's she has she's she has this great speech of saying you have no idea the crap that i put up with every day to do the job that i do in a man's world and yet at the same time they've cast her as the bitch bean counter who's stopping the men from doing what they need to do to do their jobs the way men do their jobs. So it, 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 it's, it, I'm wondering if it was more feminist at the time and just hasn't aged well, or, you know, because there's so many things that at the time are a step forward and now seem like a step back in, in hindsight. Mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about? So yeah. I'm just wondering if you had any reaction to that issue slash scene in the in the movie or perspective on it. Um, well, I was actually struck. I, I remember there were a couple different thoughts I had. Like I thought it was interesting that 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 that, that dynamic was chosen to be told between a man and a woman because mm -hmm. it would have been an interesting, very different thing if it was two men. Yes. Um, and uh, that it was also about them being competitors and that it wasn't necessarily about their sex at all. Um, and I thought that, that that was an interesting take on it. Um, I honestly have not been um, a, a big, like, feminist in terms of well that's you know that shouldn't be that or that like I don't I don't think that way for some reason um so I feel a little bit self-conscious even saying that um but I do um uh I just I just I, I'm in a position now where because of teaching at Chapman I find myself thrust in the middle of these conversations and learning a perspective from my students that I that I might not have naturally had, and certainly wouldn't have had back then. Yeah. Um, so so I can sometimes find myself cringing at stuff that I know wasn't the intent, and even may have at the time been progressive in in one way. But but now we cringe because we're seeing that somebody took two steps when we want them to have taken ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I do, they I mean, do have the scenes in the movie that imply that she's trying to sleep her way to a promotion or a raise. Yeah, she is playing that kind of part, and clearly that isn't the standpoint of. Ron Howard or the storytellers because there you've got Marissa Tomei's storyline right which is very Completely much different yeah so I think it I think it's more to do with her character Glenn Close's character right but even with the Marissa Tomei part at the end of the movie 
the miracle of childbirth makes her no longer angry about giving up her career, mm. which her husband, who's the man, is going to continue to do and and have her support because she's not angry about any of the things she was angry about anymore because of the for miracle. the moment for the for the moment <laughs> right. yeah. in that moment yeah I don't oh, believe Marissa Tomei played I <laughs> she played that part in a way that made me pretty sure she'd be back at that paper in six months yes with, yeah. that, with the baby under her arm if need be. Right, and, and the clarity she had when she called him yeah. out. When yeah. she called him out, and she's the one who, in some ways, along with you, saves the day by getting that piece of information yeah. from, from shout out to Jim Meskimen, who plays the guy who she gets ha, has dinner with, who is yes Marion Ross's son, and one of the best mimics in the entire world. He's the he's the fellow who does that that Edmund's dream speech and imitates like like 25 different actors doing Edmund's speech from from Richard the oh, I'm not no. dead. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm not a trained actor so when you guys are done talking about, <laughs> about Shakespeare <laughs> I'm not a trained actor either. I've just read some of the show about movies. Uh, so we, uh, what the hell is happening here? Hey, I said Marion Ross, for God's sake. God Happy Lady Day. Shakespeare. Are we serious? Let's talk about Kenneth Branagh movies yeah. then for a while. Really <laughs> sleep. Good there are Lord. always things to learn. Okay. I don't, I don't mind saying it either. That man's movies have put me to sleep for 30 years. Which, who? Whose movies? Shakespeare. Kenneth Branagh's movies. Shakespeare's okay. movies. Another, another question I want to ask. This is not. Uh, you know what? No, I'm going to stop us because we're not allowed to show clips anymore with other good actors in them and not say anything about, for instance, Lynn Lynn Thigpen. Oh my God! Yes. Kicked it out of the park in a one, lo yes. one line, one yes. word sentence, and that she's fantastic always. But yeah. uh, I mean, there are so many. Roma Mafia shows up and kills it. There's so many amazing people. Jeffrey Owens who I was so happy to see in this. Jeffrey Owens, who uh, recently had that crazy thing happen where uh, he he has a part-time job at, at Whole Foods during this economic yes. trouble. That's and, right. And, and this whole thing happened because people made him like a- like It was a, Trader a, a, Joe's. It was Trader Joe's. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, poor guy having to have a real job. He had the best reaction yeah, that to that. Amazing. And, you know, the best, like the coolest part about it is that he's a really good actor. And I see him in something like this. And I'm like, I, I hope he's working right now. Yeah. Uh, and Jack McGee, Tony Hody. So Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid. Nuts. So great. <laughs> Jason Alexander shows up like yep. people that you'd never thought would you, you'd see in a room together. Michael Countryman and Bruce Altman. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on. Edward Hibbert. See, is it uh, Siobhan? How do you, I don't know how do you pronounce Siobhan. it. Siobhan. Fallon Siobhan Fallon Hogan. Yeah. That great. Even though yeah. I don't know how to say her name properly. It's um, just a treasure trove. Of, and William Kunstler. One person after another. Yeah. Um, it's and uh, it does make me miss New York. 
this and with Victor me a lot, particularly Victor now. Truro, who I was in acting class with. I was in Uta Hagen's acting class with Victor Truro. I remember Victor Truro actually knew my father. Sweet guy, Victor. Strange. I Lovely forgot Scott, he was in this, but yeah. Do you remember uh, anything about working with Ron Howard on that? Like what it was like to work with him um, particularly, or was that also kind of just a, a blur? Uh, I just remember him being really, um, really warm and really enthusiastic and, and knowing that he was completely on my side, mm. which I, you know, it may sound like, well, of course, but it's not, um, there's often, no. and especially on a, a big Hollywood set, it can be really intimidating and, um, I felt very, very uh, supported, and and um, <clears throat> I remember that there was something. I think that we had to reshoot my coming out with the photograph, and I don't remember why. Um, there was something technical, I think, but I remember when I when I did, and when I knew, uh, when I knew that we got it, was he said, "It's like you won your Oscar." Ah. <laughs> uh nice yeah yeah nice had you had you um done broadway by the time you did this do you remember you'd already been on broadway right i think i well i i had definitely been uh in our country's good which i was nominated for and then i think i had done a small family business again because i had red hair okay it's just so interesting, you know, for, I mean, if there are actors listening to this, just like what you know, you're talking about being nervous going onto the set to do this scene and work with these people. But, you know, you're also somebody that had just been in, in two of these Broadway shows and just had a Tony nomination for, for the one you've just done. And it's just an interesting thing that those nerve that, that never leaves. Like it doesn't really matter what you've done or what you just did last month. It's always the thing that you're doing now that you're afraid you're going to get fired from or that yeah. you that something's going to yeah. go wrong. Yeah. Also, doing the kind of role that you did, and Tony and I have talked about this a number of times, that there is there is almost no harder job in show business than having one day or two days on a movie. Because yeah. there's a hundred people who have been working together for a month and there's only one thing that can go wrong today. And it's you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not terrifying at all. No, not at all. <laughs> like how is how is this new person gonna screw everything up for us? Yeah. Our oiled machine. That's the uh, that's the sad part about there not being a, a you know a, a a table read that you were at least involved in on this because I assume, it felt like the kind of movie that of course there'd be a big group reading of this you know like everybody would be in a room together. Because that's the energy of the movie. It feels like a big happy family doing a show together because it feels like that. But that's not how things are shot, you know? I mean... Uh, yeah, I mean, they, for all I know, they'd already started shooting when they hired me. I'm not wow. sure. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. Um, I've actually, in my in my career, I've only been invited to one table read for, for any on-camera job. Yeah, I mean, I know that's kind of the tradition, but it's for some reason this movie has has the spirit, has a yeah. spirit about it that feels Ooh, like yeah. everybody everybody's in an ensemble, and that they of course would have been friends and known each other. Just it it has that spirit of movies yeah. like, 
like Howard Hawks movies. Did you did you feel when you did this, were you aware of His Girl Friday or the kind of filmic references that they were making in this movie to earlier newspaper movies? Not not really. No, I mean, I kind of wish I kind of wish that I had a little bit more of an idea of of just how exciting a thing I was a part of, although I think under the circumstances it was already really exciting yeah yeah it was plenty <laughs> you know? exciting i mean here i am coming to new york and i want to be on stage and then i'm i'm playing a part like this in a in a yeah. ron howard movie with michael keaton so yeah you know um that in itself was really exciting it's, and it's so exciting now to think about like you know we're all so hard on ourselves and we all forget all the all the really wonderful work we've done and it's 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 a really um it's i never forget i never forget the wonderful work that i've done i don't either because there's not that many things (laughs) it's a short list (laughs) i've memorized And there's been I'm a going to do a medley of my hit right now. There's been a lot of time um, to think about my hit. My hit. I want to ask you something, Tony, um, because uh, I don't know if our viewers know this, but Tony and I, uh, we do not discuss the movies before the show so that um, our responses to it are secret from each other uh, that i might hate it and he might love it and we can get into it (laughs) (laughs) yeah get into fisticuffs um and and then sometimes like you you sent a clip one of the clips that you sent i i haven't looked at i just see that the title of it is the glass and and one of my notes is on how amazing the production design and details are in this movie. Mm-hmm. And is one of my notes regarding that is about a glass. And I'm wondering if we're talking about the, if we both picked up on the same thing. Uh, this is this. Well, th- yeah, this is my favorite movie moment in the movie, like just movie thing that they do. Okay. Well, let's play the clip, and then I'll see. Well, it, let me just say what it also it's 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 it, it. This shows you a little bit of the the, the atmosphere of the newspaper room, a little bit of Ke- more of Keaton's performance, and then something happens at the end, which is I just adore. Okay, and I'll see if we're picking up on the same thing. Oh. Bill is still pissed you wouldn't approve his six hundred dollar orthopedic chair, and now with this desk thing, he's convinced it's a conspiracy to prevent him from sitting down. Ah, okay. Well, we. I was talking about something else, but we did pick up on the same kind of thing of that setting that that idea of that they always know 
when the presses are running that something's going that that comes yeah, back see, from, like, oh, this no. is like perfect for us because we have a completely i mean yes but that's <laughs> not why i like it at all that's completely yes it's a it's a okay. that's a that's a that's narratively brilliant yes but what it what else does that what else does that do come on let's talk about this from a, just a gut reaction what does that do I don't know. Tell me. It makes that building and the and the paper itself oh. a living thing. Right. Yes. It's it's actually moving. Making that paper is is making that building move, and right. you hear it, you feel it. It's like a heartbeat, and it's so. It's it's brilliant in the sense that it's a visual cue, so it's a way that they can visually tell us interesting things about it. Right, and they're in a they're in a living thing that has yeah. He did, yeah, he did steal it from from Spielberg, so we do we have to we have to say bastard. that that bastard. It's a direct steal from Jurassic Park, um, but he probably he may have stole it from somebody else but it's kind of famous for being in jurassic park but the idea of that water glass that glass of coke telling us that starts to move is telling us something's going on and it's just beautiful visual storytelling it's it's you know simple but it's real there's also a callback to it later i couldn't find it because it's a very brief moment where she sees she can tell that the papers go back on it happens a few a few times where and then he does when he comes yeah. in and, and he he feels that they're running and he's like god damn it are they running the store yeah. yeah and it sets up that ability for them to kind of the people that work at the paper to be like telepathically connected to the paper to like or be organically connected to this thing it's it makes it into this living creature downstairs in the basement which i is subliminally just brilliant to me and it has that that real feeling in a news i worked in a newsroom for about a year and a half part-time uh when i was in college uh -huh. and would would write my story in the uh, i had to write a story maybe once a month and i would write it in the newsroom just because you felt I, cooler. I could have it in wearing, my dorm room. You felt cooler wearing a fedora and your and the in rubber the newsroom. I could have written it in my dorm room, but yeah. I wanted to be in the newsroom. But one of the things that even only being there occasionally, the, this was back in the teletype days. And the teletype machine, whenever a story would come in, it would go ding. Mm -hmm. And if it was an important story, it would go ding, ding. It sounds very non-committal and right. like and if, if it was a really important story, three bells would go off, and maybe one or two people would get up from their desks and walk over and and look at the sheets coming out, right? Right. And if four bells went off, everybody got up and everybody walked over. And I was in the newsroom one day working on my stupid little story, um, and so any you didn't even hear one day. If it went twice, you kind of went waiting for the third, and there wouldn't be a third. Um, so this, I'm typing away, and the machine goes ding, 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 ding. and everybody in the newsroom got up <laughs> and was running over to the machine, and it was when Reagan was shot. Oh, yeah, and it yeah. was one of those moments that. 
I, I, you know, I, I think I worked in the newsroom for a year and a half and was pro probably wrote 10 stories over that year and a half. So um, as, as an intern, so the idea of having been in by chance, having been in there when an event of that magnitude happened yeah. always stuck with me. The thing that I, the, the glass that I noticed that, that stood out to me was the shot of Robert Duval of the tall boy glass on his desk. One for cigarettes and one for drinking. Yeah. Filled yeah. with brown liquid and cigarette. That was just yeah. that in my notes too. Yeah. Amelia and I were like, I wonder if that was Duval. Did Duval that was got it? It was so brilliant. Duval's idea. Such a brilliant touch. Yeah. <laughs> but the soda. Really, but the production design throughout the entire movie, um, it just kept kept going. Um, yeah. The yeah. bathroom in the police station, the, the newspaper, the the way the the newsroom in the Sentinel, every bit of it smelled of parts of New York that you had been in. Um, some of them you didn't want to smell either. I, I, I didn't want to smell Duval's office particularly. That was in an office. I <laughs> well, you know, I'd like to bring something interesting up. We, Amelia and I were talking about this a, a little while ago. This might be the last time that this might have been the last sighting of Duval before Duval had, his soul was kidnapped by an old hillbilly man. <laughs> <laughs> Is it possible? I don't know. Something <laughs> happened to him, and I think it was around here because there was a turning point where Duval suddenly became a, a very old hillbilly, hillbilly man. Except, like, except you've met him. Yeah, that was before he was a hillbilly. No, he is an old hillbilly man in real no, life. He's not. He's from San Diego, California. And he's been a movie star who lived in San Francisco, cosmopolitan guy. He's not a hillbilly. He's but from someone, San Diego. I thought he was from Oklahoma. No, he's from San Diego. And I'm just saying this might be the last sighting of Duval, that, that's the real Duval, because he's like a regular person in this. He kind of turned a corner with where Al Pacino started doing something where I'm like, yeah. it's interesting, but I don't know when you decided to I think it was after Send of a Woman. He decided that he was going to only do that kind of performance. But this was he. I don't know where he got the idea to be hillbilly. It might have been the movie after this. Um, I could get in trouble for this. Movie. I don't think that Duvall is going to get me hired. I just feel strongly that that's not going to happen. Tender, tender mercies. Um, I want to bring up a couple of things that I love, Amelia. I, I I don't know if you have anything that popped into your head while we were watching of like I particularly love this moment or character or well or... I, I was actually thinking about the something that you wrote down which was speaking of the uh the bathroom in the police i've got uh, i've got a clip of it you have a yeah great. I have a clip yeah of it. yeah well then maybe i shouldn't say anything more so well let's discuss doing... it after we see the clip then if we okay. both like that do you mind showing that other clip which is my this is my favorite line of dialogue in the movie and my just one of just a little moment that I, I adore. All right, here we go. Here's your damn clipboard, and the next time you want office supplies, don't you ask the clipboard. me. Clipboard's for you. 
Hey, a clipboard and a confident wave will get you into any building in the world. Forward in a confident way will get you in any building in the world. It's just such a great line. It's uh, just such a great can't line. Can't wait to try it sometime. From David Co Cope, Keep Cope, Kep, Kep. Great screenwriter. Also wrote Jurassic Park. In fact, and then wrote this uh, wrote this movie. So he didn't really he didn't really steal the glass thing. Well, the rumor has it that was Spielberg's idea. So he. Oh wrote it into the script because Spielberg wanted to do something visual with that. I, I, he may have written it. I don't know. Maybe Spielberg, you know, was saying he did it when he didn't. I, I, I don't know. Hey, I just got a message um, from Duval, uh, actually. Yeah? Yeah, he had something he wanted to say to you. Get your britches out of here! This isn't necessarily of yours. Where I'm from. Friendo. What business? Okay. <laughs> Look, I, I have nothing but love for Rob Duval, and you know that. I'm worried about him. I think someone, someone's been impersonating him, and that person is increased because it's an old hillbilly man. That's all I'm saying. I love Duval. I worked with Duval. I didn't work with him, but Dad worked with him, and I met him, and he bought me, Robert Duval, bought me my first Swiss Army knife. This is true story. <laughs> This show has gone downhill. <laughs> I somehow feel responsible. No, no, I'm glad you were here to see it, but I'm sorry that it had to be you on, on watch. Do you guys talk about food anymore? Matthew <laughs> feels that nobody wants to hear us talk about food anymore. I'm happy. To Nobody's interested in the food. You can look at the metrics on YouTube of when people are watching the show. Food. And when food, they stop watching. So we're going to change the name of the show. We're doing we're doing intensive market research now. Gotcha. Aren't we? You should be polling showed that having you on the show was was the only move that we could take yeah. to survive. This was the one <laughs> thing we could do. Um, this is sweeps week. Well, thank we you. Had, for sweeps week, we had Amelia Campbell. Um, I, I appreciate be, being invited and, and revisiting such a wonderful little moment in my professional acting life. Um, I, uh, I, I, I'm, I have other things I want to mention, but it sounded like you wanted to, you, you were done. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I, we can let, we can let you go if you have, if you're a cat for fighting or. I'm, I'm perfectly happy. I just didn't. What did you want to mention? I just want to mention a couple things that didn't don't get a lot of attention, and that and that is a couple things. So Randy Newman, Randy Newman score. I mean, spectacular. Love that man so much. Just love him. Um, Jack Kehoe's running gag. Jack oh. Kehoe in this movie. Let's let's just have a moment of appreciation for Jack Kehoe, first of all. Yeah, the chair you're talking the about? Chair, yeah. some gag. I mean, it's the greatest thing. <laughs> and he's so into it's so important oh, to him. So important. 
that ergonomic chair it's just like nobody understands him oh, no one's God. listening to him and it's so crucial and then they play the gag on him at the end and i just love that it's not funny to him at all it's just yeah. not funny i just thought he was great and that's really all i have to say that's uh, all you have to I, say let me look at my notes sure you have a list of things uh i just want to give a shout out to the men's room at the police station again as, the, as what part of it? I don't understand. I I just I, I love the fact that they have that whole, like the pivotal scene in the movie is in the men's room. In the, at the men's room station. at the police station, and it is as as grim as you would imagine it would really be, really be. Yeah, they, it's not it's not an attractive place. They they don't see it up at no, all. No, it's um not. uh. And that's a good scene. That guy's good in it. He looked like a real cop. That guy. Yeah. And what bar is is it? I don't know, but I've we I've been in there a hundred. I've been in that times. bar a million times, and I can't place it. And it's it's spectacular. Um, I know it's a real bar because I've been in it, but also because they would never have shot the shootout, the shooting that happens in there that badly if it had been in soundstage. They've been able to move a wall. The, the only criticism I actually ultimately have about it the the you know the the feminine aspect notwithstanding matthew i'm not even going to get into that conversation so don't never set me up like that well you're a big feminist so i am nobody would ever argue that the biggest i'm um uh that that the ending in terms of just i feel like they got they ran a little late that night and it just felt like they had to get we got to get Glenn Close shot in the leg through the wall we got to have this fight happen and we got to get him out by it's we got to be out by one He's 1 a.m., the latest. We can't be here anymore. And it felt a little bit like they were just kind of gritting what they could. That's all I'm going to say. That's the only, to me, the only weak filmmaking part of it was a little bit of that bar for craziness at the end. Okay. What about the fun of, uh, the fun that they have with with Stop the Presses? It's great. It's it's pretty great. Where, where it's like, come on, you got to say it. Yeah, I mean, like, you got. Come on. Yeah, you, you got to say it. You got it. When are you gonna have the chance? <laughs> it's like in. I had something happen to me once. I got in trouble once. Um, I was having dinner with a friend of mine who was a professional comedian at the time, uh, and uh, I told him a story about when when I was in law school, uh, which was on 60th Street near Columbus Circle. I was walking through Columbus Circle. And a very, very elderly woman approached me with the canes, you know, the canes that lock around your mm -hmm. with the handle. And she approaches me and she says, excuse me, Sonny, but can you tell me how to get to Carnegie Hall? And I looked at her and I went, and I went yeah, and I, I looked at her and I went like this. I went... <laughs> <laughs> God, yeah. Like this, like this, you send it to me. And I looked down at her. I said, Yeah, it's just you walk. This is Broadway. You walk, stay to the left of the building with the circle, you know, the circles that used to be there. Stay to the left, 57th Street, make a left, and you, you, you'll, you can't miss it. And she walked away, and I was like, Oh, you're Laura. And I told, I told my friend Rick Bodell. And he stood up in the restaurant and started yelling at me that I had broken the law. You broke you broke a covenant. 
It's not yeah. the law. That's a covenant. <laughs> you had the opportunity yeah. Yeah. and you didn't use and, it. And your responsibility, let's face it, was to turn to her rather abruptly and be like, practice. Yeah. And then rudely turn away and leave her there. Just like <laughs> you, had, you had to have done that. And I didn't do it. No. You actually could have taken one of the crutches and then and said that and left. And then right. taken it. Yeah. That's the that would that's the legal way to handle that situation. That's the New Yorker way to handle it. And I didn't do it. But that they put that in this movie that he gets the chance. My favorite thing about that is that he doesn't shout it. He doesn't. I he love just, that he just kind of says it a little bit sheepishly. It's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, I don't know. Quite like, a bit, actually. I noticed he, that he does certain things that he could shout. Ah, you know you're right. not to shout. Yeah, you know you're right. He's always having an inner. He's always having a very conscious inner dialogue with his own self. With his own self. Well, that would. It's like, cool. it's like it's like his whole thing is. I've got I've got the devil the two devils on my shoulder. Mm. He's always seems to be checking them with the worst part of myself and the bad. Uh, See, that's, that's your problem right there, Tony. It's not two devils. It's a devil and an angel. <laughs> and now we know. Now we know what your One is a little is. eviler than the other. <laughs> I said, I that? that's, that's, yeah, you said the sad. two devils on your shoulder. That's there you sad. go. That's sad. That, that's, that's, how, that's how you know we're married because I didn't catch that. You're in danger and you should get out of the. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe it's time to be single white female again. Those two devils. <laughs> don't you have two devils on your show? What's the. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, you don't have that? Okay, I'm looking at my list. You got anything else on your list about this movie? I, I, I mean, I, I just. I. I could go on and on about how I, difficult I think it is to create an ensemble uh, energy like that and to pull off that kind of high speed dialogue and that that energized kind of thing and, and really do it. I just, uh, you know, that's, that, that's that's my big takeaway from it is just is just that it's 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 legitimately this Howard Hawks vibe. It's not a pretending to be. And I, I don't really know how. Because there's love. It's all there's all love in there. It's it feels love. like it really feels like it, and um, I, I just uh, I admire that part of it a lot. I think, you know, Ron Howard's made movies I don't love, but I think that's because he makes movies in different genres, and some of those genres I'm just not into. But the one when he makes a movie that hits a genre that I like or a thing that I like, I think he does a great job with it. So I, you know, I um. I, I I always kind of walk away from his movies like with a lot more appreciation for him as a director than I thought I had. But that's I think that's that curse of that journeyman thing. When people call you that, you're not a an auteur anymore, right? And it's like, well, so what? You know, I mean, and also maybe maybe or maybe not. Uh, has anyone actually sat down and done that inventory of everything that he's done yet? I don't know. It's like. I think his time, I think he's going to be revisited in a lot of ways by a new generation of, of people and come out. Uh, I'm going to jump in with two other things about the film. One, on a semi-personal note, but there's a sequence in the movie that hit me really hard for a personal reason, but also because I, it, I thought it was so incredibly well done. 
the the scene where his daughter where his his wife is going into emergency surgery and his daughter is because i was in that exact situation with the birth of of my daughter well his it's his son in the movie it turns out to be his son in the movie but i was in that exact situation at three o'clock in the morning with everything going wrong and suddenly insanity like an episode of er and the the way that was all handled was incredibly realistic and heart-wrenching and also looked exactly like a damn like i've never seen a hospital in a movie look like a real hospital but and that hospital looks like a new york hospital where things aren't as clean and wonderful as you want them to be as and as they are on television right um, and then from a storytelling point of view the 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 wrapping up the the you know you talked about the 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 building as a living organism and 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 if we go further with that metaphor it gives birth to a newspaper at the end of every day yeah, yeah. and She's giving birth as that newspaper is coming mm. out, and they are both life and death stories. Mm. You know, is this baby going to live? Is are these kids' lives going to be ruined or saved? And and they dovetail those two stories so beautifully. At and the and will the paper itself survive? I mean, there's implications right. that it's not doing so well and it needs a hot story it needs something like this so all of that from a storytelling perspective wraps up seamlessly yeah. without ever hitting anything on the head too too hard you know which not- actually then says that he's actually fought this hard for his own baby's life for both of them yeah yeah, yeah. Um, everything on the line yeah for yeah yeah, well, he has that great line at the beginning. There are some days that will change your whole life, and this is one of them. Don't blow it. Well, and and yeah. he does. It's beautiful to yeah. see like a movie that it holds up to that kind of scrutiny and that kind of you know detail. That's essentially a, a, a light, a light actiony comedy. I mean, it, it's it's got drama in it, but it's much more a kind of a, a light drama and comedy than than than. Uh, a heavy, a heavy thing that you'd think is going to be about politics or the city. It's about right. all that stuff, but it it still manages to have this incredibly light kind of comedic um, heart to it. Yeah, and um, you know, shout out to to uh, to John Seal who shot this movie. Um, did you know that he shot uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock when you shot this movie? No. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I've learned all about these people f- from you, really. Um, <laughs> he, I, I didn't pay enough attention to. I was just an. I was. I thought I was just an actor, and I was well, just in an actor's world. <laughs> I, I understand. I'm looking Little at cinematography. <clears throat> yeah. So, so he also did Lorenzo's Oil. He was the director of photography on Lorenzo's Oil as well. Um, one of the great TPs shot almost all of Peter Weir's movies, uh, including Witness and um, Gallipoli, he shot Gallipoli. Oh my God. Wow. And uh, did he shoot Gallipoli? Am I speaking out of turn? No, he worked on it. He was on electrical on it. But then he went on to shoot 
uh, oh, Mad Max, <laughs> like the last one. And um, uh, so he's pretty, pretty fantastic. So he worked with George Miller a couple times. Worked with George Lorenzo Miller a lot. Yep. Yeah. Um, and did... Lorenzo's oil was where I, my hair was dyed red for the first time. And it's kind of the same color now. This is my actual natural color now. It looks, very, it looks quite <laughs> red in this. In this uh, yeah. Light. But that actually makes me think I did. I did Lorenzo's oil before I did the paper. It, so you did. Yeah. Yeah. When did you do Gorillas in the Midst? Oh, that wasn't you. That was John <laughs> Seal. Sorry. I was reading uh, IMDb. <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> well, I think, I, we've, I think we've covered this movie. I, I've i had such a great time talking about it, and it's, it's been great to have you on the show. Uh, it's amazing. We, we'd love to have you back again sometime. Uh, hey, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, it's a pleasure to get to know you. It's really nice meeting you, Matthew. To meet you. <laughs> I'm sorry it was under these circumstances, but. Uh, and we haven't decided what movie we're doing next week. Oh. Oh, God. Oh, my we don't God. Have to do, we don't have to do it right now. Um, we'll be sending out a newsletter to all uh, of you. I don't think we should decide right now. I think we should keep this a, a complete we're shot. Gonna, we're going to, okay. We'll, we'll reveal in a couple of days in yeah. our newsletter. Um, so, Amelia, thank you for joining us. Anthony, thank you for joining us. Thanks for hosting this wonderful yes, thank you for hosting us. <laughs> and and shout out to Barbara Dana for hosting Matthew in. Bet, yeah. I bet mom's listening to this, isn't she? I, she is. Yeah. I, can, I can hear the echo in the other room. She's still awake listening. Hi, mom. Hi, Barbara. Hi, mom. <laughs> and uh, for all of you out there, please uh, spread the word about this show. Give us a like. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already subscribed. And when you do, click the bell icon so that you get notifications of the upcoming live streams. And uh, thank you for joining us. Thank we you, everybody. See you soon. Oh, hey, and we got to tell people to go to our website. Right, because there's yeah. stuff on there. Yeah, there's merch. There's other episodes of the show. You should be subscribed to the show. There's so many episodes, but there's merch and there's stuff and yeah. there's gifts for people. Yeah. There's a T-shirt. There's a, a Silverado poster, all kinds of great stuff. So and check stuff, it out. Stuff is coming up, too. We'll be adding stuff to it. Yeah, so check it out at arkinbros.com. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.